This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, everyone. Today, I will be chatting with Andrea Davis. Andrea is a former secondary ed teacher turned screen time navigator. She is the founder of Better Screen Time, where she shares family tested ideas from the tech trenches as a mom of five. She is on a mission to help parents worry less about tech and connect more with their kids. Andrea and her husband, Tyler, live in beautiful Hood River, Oregon, where they have loved spending time outdoors as a family. In today's episode, we chat about practical ways you can talk with your kids about technology, creating a family tech plan, is every tech device created equal, and much more. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode, this podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Good morning, Andrea. We're really excited to have you today to talk all about screen time and technology and to make it a healthy relationship for ourselves and for our families. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, Lindsay. So as I mentioned in your intro, you are, or are you currently a secondary ed teacher or is that something you used to do? That's something I used to do. Yeah. Okay. Now I just help parents with screen time and parent my own five kids. <laughs> Which is, that's enough. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a topic I was just mentioning to you before we got on is that I, this is a topic that I'm really passionate about right now. I feel like In the past year and a half, I have personally noticed my technology use and my phone use just completely out of control, whether it was, you know, checking the the latest COVID updates or checking, you know, this, that, and the other thing, and really trying to circle in on reducing that. And, you know, not only for myself, but for my family, this is something that's just not talked about enough. And I don't know if people are afraid to admit they use it too much or mm-hmm. they truly do have better boundaries than I, I don't know, maybe, but I feel like I see people on their phones <laughs> everywhere. I yeah. actually, I was just at the playground the other day and I'm walking down there with my, I just had only had my son I'm bringing him on a little date, just the two of us. Oh, and yeah. there were four parents, four different parents on the swings with their child and they're all pushing their child in the swings. And they were all on their phone at the same time. So with their hand, they're pushing. With their other hand, they're scrolling. And we live somewhere that has a beautiful scenery. And I and I don't really like to talk about where we live. So like, just imagine this beautiful scenery in front of you. You're pushing your child and you're blocking the beautiful scenery with your phone. And I looked at that and I kid you not, I almost started to cry because I was like, Mm -hmm. when did we become this generation that never pays attention to our surroundings. We never soak in what's around us. And instead, we are more consumed with this overload of information that we're getting from our telephones. That's in turn making us more anxious, more depressed. And then it leaves us wanting for more too, you know, because you get that burst of dopamine the second you head on and, and find some new information. So this is, I'm so excited to talk about this today. And I know you're like the perfect person to talk about this with. (laughs) No, I, I, everything you just said, I can completely relate to. And I, I know the feeling that you have. I, I see it and definitely have been guilty of it. And I made some big changes in my own life as a parent and as a family. And that's, I've felt those changes. And I I know we were talking about this earlier, but just the difference between when you set some boundaries and when there aren't any, it can be difficult at first, but there's a world of difference really. Yeah. And I know 
from what I've understood from my community is that it can be really overwhelming. We were chatting earlier about how I wanted to incorporate this screen-free August. And my community, there's a lot of people that are all for it. And this is going to be so great. And then I had a lot of people message me saying like, this seems really unattainable for me. You know, like my usage is so high that I don't even know how I would just cut it out completely. That seems so crazy. At first, that that just seems really sad to me that we, we use it so much that it seems like we can't even try to cut it out for a month. Like we would have to do it in a way that was over the next two months, try to cut it out gradually so that it wasn't such a shock. But how can we make a, I know you called them like a family tech plan. Can you kind of go into how we can work with our kids to create this and how we can make it something that the entire family can live with? Because I know that this probably seems really difficult for some and unattainable, especially if they have kids that might be older. Yeah, well, I think even going back to your initial thoughts about doing a screen-free August, I think it always comes back to what's our purpose? What's our why? And I'm always big on that. I really love Simon Sinek and his whole concept of starting with why. And I use that a lot, but like, why, why would I go screen-free? And I think if people think about what are the benefits waiting for them on the other side, then they're going to be more motivated to do that. So I mean, I can, I can list a lot, but just thinking about, you know, kids getting along better, kids using their imaginations again, being creative, learning how to be bored, building skills of resiliency, and as adults, creating memories with our kids where our phone isn't a distraction, you know, between us and them, and building those lasting relationships so that they want to come and talk to you. They know that you're not just going to be staring at your phone. And I could go on for a really long time about the benefits of definitely setting our devices aside. But, you know, again, like, so coming, circling back to this family tech plan, really have to involve our spouse or partner and our kids because they need to have some buy-in. And I learned this through experience. We actually did a big move. We moved from Illinois to Oregon about four years ago. And it was really crazy and chaotic. And it was at that time that we handed over a smartphone to our middle schooler. She had left behind a lot of friends, which as you know, like when you're in middle school, is kind of a hard thing to do. And I didn't know anyone in this new place that we had moved to. And so I wanted to be able to get a hold of her. So she knew where to get off the bus and all of those things. And it didn't take long for me to realize that it was too much too soon and that we had made a mistake. And we had been the the family that kept their TV in a closet, like for years and years, we just used our TV as an appliance. In fact, that's what we still do. So we pulled it out for family movie nights and for the Olympics. So we had been very, I would say, tech conscious and more of a slow tech family for a long time. But what happened when we made this big move also was just, I felt like the time when portable devices were becoming even more mainstream. So this would have been like the end of 2016, early 2017. So at that point, the iPhone had been around for 10 years. And then as parents, we were all carrying these portable devices. And so I was frustrated. We we went back to a brick phone um, for my daughter, which was, I have zero regrets about that. It was the best decision. But then I also kind of started parenting out of fear a little bit because I started doing all the research about the effects of too much screen time. And then the effects become like almost greater as our kids get older because then they're getting more access to things that we might not want them to have access to. And the consequences are much bigger. And so I started feeling very fearful. And so what happened is I created a family tech plan for our whole family and kind of laid it out. And I just got lots of like blank stares and shoulder shrugging and like, oh man, mom's lost it. Like, what's the big deal? I think that's really where my kids were at. And I realized that wasn't a great way to go about it. And so I, I started doing more research and really just decided that I did need to start with why, that my kids needed to understand why it mattered so much. And then I needed to let them help create those screen time boundaries. 
And so we just started having tech talks, like discussions. And we started with a thumbs up and a thumbs down list. And I just asked the kids, what are some things that you love about technology? And on our thumbs up list, they had all kinds of things that, you know, that we all said that we love to do. And then we made a thumbs down list. And I asked them, what do we need to watch out for? And they know, like they knew, I think that, you know, this generation of kids, they are being raised in a digital world and they are aware of what those dangers are. And so we made this big list of, of all the dangers. And that was kind of how it started. And I think just by increasing that awareness and having that conversation by not just saying all tech is bad, but then also being very aware of what those pitfalls were, it was was such a great way to start that conversation. Yeah, I love that. I mean, and making it just like an open conversation. So like you said, they're living in a digital world. So it's not like they're not going to be able to never use tech. I mean, we have to introduce it in a healthy way. Yeah. So just being really open about what the pros and cons are so that they're aware. And so almost like when they pick up, you know, a device, they're like, oh, we talked about this. We talked about if I use it too much, this can happen. And I just feel like it makes them more aware whenever they're starting to use those devices. So do you have this plan for your own family? Like, have you guys gone over it? Is it something that you keep up in your house or something you just talk about? Yeah, so that was our first discussion. And then the second discussion we had was when we actually created our family tech plan. So I like to keep things really simple. I think simple is good. And so we just talked about where, when, what, and how long. So where will we use screens? What are we going to do on them? What kinds of things are okay? What things are not okay? You know, how long, depending on what we're doing. And then we talked about something that screen time experts use a lot are the three C's. So we talk a lot about, are we creating, are we connecting, or are we consuming? And so like Mm. those first two things, if we're creating on a screen or we're connecting with someone, those are generally pretty positive uses of technology. Like my one daughter loves to write stories with her cousin over Google Docs. And they just like to be silly, (laughs) right? Silly stories. You know, her cousin lives in another state. And it's kind of a fun way for them to not only be creative, but to connect. And so if they're doing that, you know, she's in middle school, then I'm definitely allowing a little bit more time on a device than let's say if she was just sitting there watching YouTube videos. And that's that last C, which is consuming. And that's really the one that we need to be most careful about. We kind of went through all these questions, decided where we were going to use screens. We got a family charging station where we keep our devices. And we decided at that point, we weren't going to take any devices into the bedrooms and bathrooms. And I know that seems like a really strict and hard thing for a lot of people. And I know at the time, I was working for some other people from home. And I would often take my laptop into our bedroom. And I would be typing away, like getting, you know, meeting a deadline at 11 o'clock at night. And I realized wow, do I want, you know, at that time, my oldest was maybe 12. I thought, do I want, you know, once she gets older and does have her own device, do I want her taking that into the bedroom? And the answer was no. And I also just realized it was not healthy for my relationship with my spouse, nor was it good for my posture, wasn't good for my sleep, so many things. And so we just decided as a family, can we all do this? The one exception we made is that my husband plugs in his phone right before bed because he likes to use his phone for an alarm clock. But he doesn't use social media, doesn't really have a lot of distractions on his phone, (laughs) and just decided he wasn't going to use it in there. And so that worked really well. I like that you brought this up because this is something I want to incorporate actually into our own home, which is no phones in the bedroom. Because, well, a lot of the reasons you mentioned, one, it's just not the best way to fall asleep. Looking at a screen is not a great way to fall asleep. Exactly. And to be honest, I have found over the last eight years, I've breastfed four babies and waking up in the middle of the night, I would keep myself up by scrolling, scrolling, scrolling and could never fall back asleep or would have really terrible sleep after that. And I can't afford to be not sleeping. (laughs) Got a lot of kids got to work. And I was like, okay, this needs to stop. So now I read 
And, you know, she's not really waking up that much overnight anymore, but reading is so much better, I found. Yes. And there are just so many different things. But yes, relationship with your spouse, like there is nothing worse, I feel like, than sitting in the same bed and both of you to just be on your phones, not talking to each other and just scrolling, like, right? Yes. It's like, I don't know, just like watch. I think there was a commercial maybe in the past year or something where it was just everybody, or maybe not a commercial, but it was like on social media somewhere. And it was just talking about how we've kind of lost touch, right? And there was like this image of this couple in bed, just like sitting next to each other, but not even engaging with each other at all, just engaging with their phones. Yes. I've seen images like that. Right. (laughs) And my husband and I don't do that that much, but I just feel like what is on the phone that is that necessary to see before bed? Nothing. And then I also love the idea of not rolling over and like, oh, let me check the time. And then, oh, check the weather and oh, check the DMs and oh, check my email and oh, check. Do you know what I mean? Because that's what you do. It's not even a, it's not even that I want to do it. It's like this automatic switch that's like, oh, well, let me just up to date myself with everything going on. And I'd much rather, you know, wake up and head downstairs have a glass of water and start my day with things that actually matter as opposed to checking what's on my phone. And it's really out of habit than anything else. And so if the phone is somewhere else and it's charging downstairs, then it's just, yeah, I totally agree. I think it's just such a great idea. Just using like a regular, we're probably just going to use, we have our alarm alarm clocks. We never use them. We just use our phones. That's what I use. I use an alarm clock and I I started doing that about, it's, been, wow. I mean, it's probably been almost four years ago now that I made that switch and I do. I sleep so much better. I actually got one of these lofty alarm clocks where you can turn even the light off. Like it has a button so that even the digits don't show up. And oh. I just love it because I don't even wake up during the night, like stare looking at the clock, like, oh, what time is it? Like yeah. if I will wake up during the night, it's just, and then you can kind of turn it back on and its design is meant to, you know, don't take your phone in your bedroom. And I I really love that. But it's just, yeah, one little hack that can help a ton. And again, like we do have my husband's phone in the bedroom. Also, in case of an emergency, we actually have had someone call us at 2.30 in the morning before needing us to grab them from the hospital. And so, you know, again, like if you don't have a house phone, you've got to be practical. But my husband's pretty, he's very disciplined. So it just we made that decision and he doesn't use it. He'll set his alarm and that's it. But then, you know, you asked about posting the family tech plan. We did like we wrote it all down. We did all this on a big giant post-it note mm-hmm. and did this together with the kids and let them, you know, write it down. But then we transfer it to just a Google Doc that we can refresh every year, every six months. And it's just on the side of our fridge because I think too. That's helpful because sometimes kids, especially if it's new, they'll say, Oh, well, that's not what you said, mom. (laughs) And you're like, actually, no, this is, this is what we decided on. Look right over here. (laughs) Right here. So can you just lay out the, the plan itself? Like what it looks like? Yeah. So again, like we just use those simple headings. So it just says where, when, what, how long, and this is all, we actually do have a discussion guide on Amazon called creating a tech healthy family. And okay. it walks everybody like through all of these discussions that we did. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I'll link that in the show notes. So yeah, we just have those categories. And then we have something under each one. Another thing that we decided was that we would have basically, you know, not only kind of sacred spaces, but also sacred times. And so, you know, I know a lot of people know this, but obviously, like not bringing your devices to the dinner table. That's a huge no in our house. and. I really do utilize our charging station. And I, you know, I try to just, if I get home from somewhere and get home from the store, that's where I put my phone. I don't carry it in my pocket around the house. That was something else we added to the plan. Because so my oldest is 16 now. So when my oldest kids were little, I didn't have a smartphone. And I just and but I have five kids. So now my youngest just turned seven. So with my younger two, that was about when I got a smartphone and, and, you know, really started carrying it around. Mm -hmm. And I noticed like I'd be bathing the kids or I'd be reading Harry Potter with them at night and my phone would buzz. And I would think, I think everyone has different reasons why they think they have to check their phone. 
for me, I'm kind of productivity oriented. And so I always feel like I'm being productive or I'm being responsive if I respond right away. And so I used to kind of pride myself on that. If someone needed something, and I again, like I used to work for other people, and I think that was another thing. Like I wanted to be responsive and reply right away. And I remember vividly reading Harry Potter with my son and getting a text and just like grabbing my phone to respond. And I've just stopped. And I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? This is so silly. I never did this with my older kids because I didn't even, I didn't have that distraction. I think everybody has to have their wake up call too. And unfortunately, like some wake up calls are more serious than others. And, you know, luckily, like Mm -hmm. no one was in danger. Nothing catastrophic was happening. But I think the danger really that's happening. And like you mentioned earlier, you know, seeing parents at the park, pushing their kids, scrolling on their phone, the danger there is just that over time, we're missing the opportunity to build the relationship. That's scary to me. And so, um, well, and what the child is seeing too is, oh, you know, instead of my mom kind of like enjoying the moment and being in that moment and enjoying it for what it is, that probably gets so ingrained in their minds that when it is time for them to say, Hey mom, I want a phone. Well, that doesn't make sense. I mean, growing up, you would be pushing me on the swings and you'd be on your phone. And when you're at dinner, you're on the phone. And when you're cooking, you're on the phone. And when you're, and so, yeah, I just feel, sorry to interrupt you. I just feel like that's like, yeah. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. So, so again, that was just like a wake up call. So using that charging station, but another thing we decided, so going kind of back to those sacred times. Mm -hmm. So we decided, you know, during the dinner hour and even sometimes you have to recommit. So early this year, I found like after COVID and after the pandemic, we're in Oregon and our kids, they didn't go back to school for a very long time, just like a couple of months ago. And so they've all been doing, they've all been home. I'd been homeschooling my younger two, but my older three had been doing distance learning. And so I just felt like work and school and everything was just kind of bleeding together. And some of those great boundaries that we had put in place, they were still functioning, but they needed to become a little bit more clear because we suddenly had all these additional devices in our home. Right. And so I recommitted at the beginning of January to not look at my device from like five to seven 30 or five to eight and just be focusing on working with the kids to make dinner. And, you know, sometimes definitely shuttling kids places, but just taking a book with me. And again, I think just deciding what those times a day are when you want to be fully present. It actually is just, it's going to let your brain relax because you will feel like, oh, I'm giving attention to the thing that I need to be giving attention to right now. And you, you won't feel spread so thin. And it's, it's just empowering, I think, for especially as mothers, because we are so good at multitasking. We think, oh, I can do all of this at once. Exactly. But, yeah. But is it really the, the best way to do it? And so that was helpful. And then we also decided as a family, what's one day a week that we can kind of use tech differently? So it maybe doesn't mean that we completely set all our devices aside, but we mostly step away. And for us, that's Sunday. Um, we're Christian, so that's our Sabbath. But Tiffany Schlane, she is, her family is Jewish, and she wrote a book called 24-7, which I love. And her family does this tech Shabbat where they start on Friday night and go to Saturday, Saturday night, and they don't use any devices at all during that 24-hour period. And I just love caring about it. And her family's been doing this for years. But, you know, for us on Sunday, like if we want to FaceTime with grandma and grandpa, that's awesome, because that's just a way that we're connecting with them. We also sometimes will look at family pictures together, which are all on our computer. But other than that, I'm off social media. I don't ever get on social media on Sunday. And we're not usually watching movies. It's just generally a day where we're resting and we're connecting and you know we do go to church but I think just deciding for your family what's a day that we can just kind of step away and that's like your reset and I think everybody needs that you just need like a weekly reset even if you just for three hours we're like let's leave our devices home and go on a hike or you know whatever that is especially if if it seems overwhelming to someone listening right now it doesn't need to be right off the bat an entire day, yes. right? Like, just like you said, you could start off 
doing a couple of hours, see how that makes you feel. I guarantee you, you're going to feel almost, it's like a freeing feeling and you're going to want more of it, right? So that three hours at the end of a couple months could be an entire day. You know, it doesn't have to be something that seems unattainable to you. And I know people look at it like, oh gosh, yeah, I could never do it. I'm just not even going to try. It's definitely something you can just work at it just a tiny little bit and just see if it's something that does make you feel better, you know? Yes. I love that you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. The charging station, I think is such a great idea. And this is something I had briefly wanted to incorporate into our home and then never did. Yeah. But not having your phone in your pocket. Okay. So this, you said that, and this started making my <laughs> the wheels turn over here yeah. because you know what? So I usually keep my phone on me. You know, I, I walk through the house. It's in my back pocket. I walk through the house. It's in, it's in some pocket, right? My husband, same thing in the pocket. You'll run to the bathroom, like you said, and, oh, let me just check this real quick. Like, <laughs> what am I checking for the two minutes I'm in the bathroom? For goodness right. sake, really. <laughs> and it's it's not even at that point, like I said, it's not even that you want to look at your phone. It is actually a habit, right? Yeah. And same thing with dinner. Oh, you're cooking dinner and, oh, I have to wait for this pasta to boil for eight minutes. Where's my phone? Let me, Mm -hmm. let me just, and for me, it was always really hard because I'm an Enneagram eight. I'm a type A personality. I was raised to work. Like my parents worked so hard for everything in their life. And I'm a worker. I'm a hard worker. I don't rest until the work is done. The problem with quote unquote influencing or this whole realm. And I started blogging 13 years ago when it was way different than it is way more creative. Now there's like no creativity to it. I feel like sometimes, but there is no end to the day. You know, it's, there's always more work to be done. There's always more that you can do or more connecting that you can do with your audience through emails, through messages, through yeah. all of these different things. And it's, it is so hard for somebody like me. Yeah. Just my, my, my personality is like way, way smaller than yours. And even as it's grown, I've seen, yeah, I got to keep those boundaries in check because yeah. this could easily get out of hand. Yeah. And for me, those boundaries, and that's, that's ultimately why I'm deciding to leave Instagram at the end of the year, because I know there are many people that can say, okay, these are my boundaries. I'm only going to use Instagram between 10 and 11. That's when I'm going to put my stories up. That's when I'll answer my DMs and then I'll be done with it for the day. Yeah. And that's great. I've tried that. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for my personality. I will make excuses and I'll say, okay, well, you know, I do have a half an hour here. Let me just answer all those DMs that are sitting there and connect with my audience, you know, or let me, and there's no end to it. And so for me, there just needs to be an end to it completely. And that is to just get off Instagram and find other ways to connect. And yes, that affects us significantly as far as financial means and everything else. But for me, what I'm gaining is more than that, you know, and it took me years to figure that out. (laughs) It's not something I think, you know, happens overnight and it's still something I'm working through but also why I'm just so excited to talk to you today about all this. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think like, you know, yourself and like you said, you know, your personality and, and I can definitely relate to that. Just wanting to be responsive. And like you said, being a hard worker and this is your work. And so you want to do it well. And yeah, I, I understand. I don't understand. I don't have that many followers, but I do understand the implications of trying to keep something going and being on 24 seven. So yeah, there's just, there's literally no end to it. And I even stopped, I mean, a couple years ago, I mean, I don't even, I'm not even a scroller. Like I don't even go on Instagram to be a consumer. I consume very little on there. I would say probably less than 20 minutes a day. Do I ever like view someone else's stories or scroll the actual like Instagram algorithm feed? I just, I don't do it because I'm like yeah. busy doing all the other things on there, like screenshotting analytics, posting things for brands, posting my own creative content, like going into my messages. You know, I'm just so busy doing all of that. And it's like, that's really the only reason why I would want to use it is to like be inspired by some of the, you know, home decor or like family kid 
accounts that I follow. Like I, I really love Dr. Becky from Good Inside. She just has always so many great tips as far as psychological things that we can do with our children. And I love that, but I never, I mean, I don't even use it for that. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know what I'm doing on there half the time, but it's not like actually consuming. So yeah. I'm like, this just needs to, but everybody, you know, I think needs to kind of think, okay, what kind of a personality am I? How am I, like you said, how am I, am I consuming? Am I creating? And what was the other thing? Yeah. So uh, connecting. And connecting. Yeah. So thinking about how you use these different apps and these different, you know, social media channels and are you using it to connect? Are you using it just strictly to consume? Are you using it, you know, to be creative and, you know, is that what you really want it for? And if not, like how, what can you do to change it? Yeah. And just paying, like you said, paying attention to how you feel too. I actually did an Instagram live with my 16 year old just a couple of nights ago. She has like limited access so she can access Instagram on my phone, but she kind of just quit using that. And so I asked her, I said, Oh, do you, you know, are you not interested anymore? And she said, Oh, one of my friends disabled her account. So I just decided to do that too. And I said, Oh, yeah, why? And she said, Oh, it's just dumb. (laughs) And she wasn't even like, again, my kids have pretty limited access, because I want them to be doing other things. And I want them to be connecting with friends in real life. But I don't believe in like completely keeping them from everything either, just because that can create its own set of problems. So we try to just teach them very slowly. So she does have access, it's limited. But I thought, And then she mentioned something during the live. She just said, yeah, I didn't like how I was feeling. And that's one of actually our conversations in our discussion guide, creating a tech healthy family is all about self-awareness. And I just think that's such an important skill to teach our kids because whether they're video gaming, you know, it's just generally um, boys or whether they're using social media, which is generally girls or just video streaming, which is usually all of us, whether that's YouTube, Mm -hmm. Netflix, or whatever, that skill of self-awareness is so important. Like, how is Mm. this making me feel? And if I'm feeling either less than, or if, you know, I've been playing video games for hours, and I'm starting to, you know, like, I haven't eaten, and I'm, like, losing sleep, obviously, this is a problem. And so I think teaching them that skill, because at some point, they're going to leave home and they need to be able to discern that on their own when we're not there. So that that's something we've talked about a lot. Yeah, that's actually something I've never thought about that much. I mean, obviously my kids are younger, but that healthy balance. So, you know, instead of just saying, no, you're not getting a phone. No, you're not having social media because they're bad, right? Yeah. Giving them this little bit of restricted access and talking to them about it, you know, if this starts to make you feel uncomfortable, make you feel less than, make you feel this way, you know, let us know, or, you know, you can always disable. I think that's, that's really great because like you said, we need to be teaching them how to own their own feelings and figure out how things make them feel. And if they don't have that connection, they weren't given the opportunity to make that connection when they do become of age that we think it's appropriate for them to be engaging in these things, it's going to be really overwhelming for them. And they're not going to be able to do that as easily, you know? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about, I feel like kids are getting phones earlier and earlier. I mean, my neighbor was just talking about how she has a nine-year-old and all of them, like not all of them, but the majority of them have phones. Mm -hmm. And She's like, you are not getting a phone at age nine. I, I, I honestly, I can't even believe this is a conversation that I have to have. This is, it makes me, I'm, it makes my stomach churn. Like it makes me sick to my stomach. Yes. Um, you and I oh my gosh. Okay. So how can we help our kids withstand the peer pressure to be different when everybody else is using a phone or using social media? Yeah. I think first we just have to recognize that it is hard. Like, there's no way around it. It's like, there's no way to make it super easy. But again, I think through those conversations of talking about why we're making this decision as a family. And I think if you think about it, like most families do something that is countercultural. And, you know, I don't know what that would be for anyone's family. It could be the way you eat. It could be religious beliefs. It could be 
I mean, it could be like in any number of things that you might do, let's say different than just society in general. Mm-hmm. And I think having that conversation with your kids, like, well, this is why we do this. And the same thing goes with technology. And I think the more knowledge that we can have as parents that we can pass along to our kids is great. So, you know, picking up some books, like there's a great book called Reset Your Child's Brain by Dr. Victoria Dunkley. Um, there's a book called Glow Kids by Nicholas Cordaris. There's just a lot of, you know, really solid books out there that have been well researched and talk about the effects of screen time. And then just like in little conversations, bringing that up to your kids and just saying, you know, we're going to do things differently because I want to protect your childhood. I want to allow you to be a kid. I want you to have like these great memories and use your creativity and imagination and have time with friends. And then, you know, at some point we are going to get you, we'll help you through this when it is time for a phone and when it is time, you know, to have more access to things. So I think just saying no is never... Mm -hmm like, that's not really a good way to go. It's more like, let's prepare you. And we're going to do this nice and slow. And you know, we again, my 16 year old talked about this the other night, how hard it was in middle school, not having a smartphone when we went back to the brick phone. It was super it was way embarrassing for her. Like it was seriously like text in a backpack and toss it back in the backpack <laughs> so that nobody sees this. And, you know, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry because this is That's how actually we're pretty do it. great because, you know, sure, you can have a phone. It's going to be this phone and you'll never want to use it because you'll be embarrassed <laughs> yeah. to have it out. No, it's, it's so true. And now, like, there is a smartphone that has no internet access. You might have heard of the Gab phone, but yes, we, you know, use and we promote that. And then my, I have two middle schoolers now who share the Gab, and that's great. That didn't exist when, you know, my oldest was in middle school. So there are more options at least to like, you know, so kids can still connect with their friends and communicate. And that's really helpful. I I think it's gotten much easier over the past few years, just because there are more options. But again, like, the same thing happens usually with social media and with video games where you kind of have to say, yeah, I know everybody's on that. But let's just have your friends over instead <laughs> or let's do it get together. And it, it is, it's hard, but I, yeah. it was amazing. Like, you know, just talking to my 16 year old the other night, like how she said, you know, she goes to school and everyone's saying the teacher asked, what time did everybody go to bed? And they're like, Oh, one, two. <gasps> and they're all just on their phones, oh you know, and this is just on a school night. And she said, she, she said, yeah, I said 10. <laughs> And everybody looked at me because she knows like her, she does have a, a phone now, you know, at 16, but it's very, has limited abilities on it. And, um, it gets put in the charging station at 10 and she's like, I actually am really grateful now. Okay. So I was going to, I was just going to ask you how she feels about that. Yeah. I mean, it takes time at 13. She hated it. She hated all of the, you know, the, how we were taking things slow and we weren't doing everything like everyone else was. And so I think for parents, you do kind of have to push through that and, and Mm -hmm. trying to help your kids find those friends who maybe are their families are doing things a little bit differently as well is helpful. But again, I think kind of pushing through that and then they mature, they get older. And, you know, they might not come right out and say thank you. But I think at the end of the day, they are grateful to have parents who are trying to help them have healthy boundaries. Not just like enforcing rules, but actually having the, I mean, the other thing I really focus on is the relationship. Like I've tried really hard and of course, and we all try as parents to have a relationship with our kids, but I just, we do one-on-one dates with our kids and I've just tried really hard to, to nourish that relationship. And so then it makes those things easier. They, mm-hmm. they might not like it, but they at least still like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's talk about little kids for, for a minute. I know there were a lot of questions about when should I be introducing screen time and you know how frequently should I be allowing my child to enjoy screen time depending on the age? Yeah. So the gold standard is the American Academy of Pediatrics. 
And they are kind of the ones who say this, this is what the guidelines are. And they say that for, you know, children younger than 18 months, that you should just be like video chatting, things like that. And that otherwise, they shouldn't really be on screens. And then they say for children 18 to 24 months, then it screen should be used with an adult. And then older than two, then they're just saying, having a limit of an hour or less per day is high quality programming. That's what their guidelines are. And then after that, they're just kind of with older kids, basically saying, make sure the kids are getting adequate sleep, physical activity, that they're involved in other things. And then otherwise, they're not really giving guidelines as far as time necessarily, Mm -hmm. just because when especially as we've seen this past year, like it's changed so much because the screens are coming home for school and and such. But I think too, like, just like those are general guidelines, and they've actually changed over the years. And so I think that's important to recognize. I think it's also important to realize, like, if you're a family that has multiple children, you're like second, third, fourth, what, you know, additional kids are not going to probably abide by those same guidelines that your first child did. Mm -hmm. Simply because if you turn a movie on for your three-year-old and you have an 18-month-old as well, there's a good chance they're probably going to be seeing it too. And so I just tell parents not to stress over that part too much. Like just thinking about what type of screen you're choosing is really important. And I know this seems backwards, but it's actually better for our younger kids to watch a a slow-moving TV program, something like Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers, or even like some newer ones like Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, something that's just a little bit more slow paced, that's actually better than giving them an interactive screen like an iPad or a tablet. And the reason why is because that interactivity on those screens spikes the dopamine in their brain. That's just what we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why like parents are always like, man, I can't, my toddler throws this huge tantrum when I try yes. to take the iPad away. And like, yeah, because in their brain, it kind of feels like a drug. Like it feels really good. Yes. And then all of a sudden you're trying to take it away. And I also had to learn that the hard way because again, with my older kids, there were no interactive screens. And I hadn't heard any of the research about, you know, this difference. And so we actually got an iPad around that same time about four years ago. And my youngest was three at the time. And we mostly got the iPad so the kids could make iMovies and stuff. I wasn't really like, oh, I'm going to put tons of apps on it. But I even just put a few educational apps on it. And I just noticed like she did not want to let it go. And I, again, I kind of had that perspective of having raised my older kids. And I didn't remember having that same kind of like the strong, you know, I don't know what it is, but just she had kind of a strong reaction that I had never seen my older kids do. And then, you know, then I did the research and I realized, oh, I probably really shouldn't be giving her an iPad. This is not not a good idea. And so again, I just tell parents like, no guilt, but at the same time, like think about what you want. What's your end goal? Like begin with the end in mind. And for me, that whole thing of putting the TV in the closet wasn't like, oh, TV's horrible. My kids are going to like their brains are going to rot. It was definitely more, oh, I want my kids to be really great readers. And that actually started because I had a good friend who was an amazing reader. And I asked her, I said, what did your parents do to instill this love of reading in you? And she said, oh, we didn't have a TV growing up. And I was like, really? And I just, it was more out of curiosity. And so I asked, you know, my husband, I'm like, what do you think if we try this? And he's not really into sports. So that made it easier. But he was like, yeah, let's try it. And then that's just always stuck. But now, like, I look at my kids now, and they all love to read, like they're huge readers. Yeah. And I'm never saying, oh, that's what everyone should do. I think everyone, you know, you figure out what works out for you. But, but again, like what ultimately do you want your kids to be doing? And if you want them to learn those skills of resiliency, you want them to learn how to play well with other kids, you want them to be able to entertain themselves, then you definitely want to be mindful of how much screen time they have. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you a little story about my, so my oldest, this was probably two years ago now. So she's going to be eight in the fall. So she was, you know, five-ish. 
And I don't even remember why it was out. So we have iPads for the kids. The, well, not the Amazon Fire, the Fire tablets. And we got them specifically for long travel on planes because we like to do one big international trip with them a year. And so on the plane, they get this special treat where they get to use their, you know, Fire tablets. And so honestly, if I were to do that, differently, I would just figure out different ways to entertain them on the plane. But anyway, so I got these fire tablets and somehow my daughter found YouTube and my kids have never been on YouTube. This was the first and last time my kids will ever go on YouTube. And again, this is just my personal opinion on this and everybody, you know, obviously (laughs) has their own (laughs) things, but this is what happened when my child used YouTube. So she was on there and we were watching something educational. It was like a gazelle in the, you know, whatever it was, it was something about an animal, right? Then she sees, you know, YouTube is really good. Okay. How they have things set up. So I think that there's a child watching this gazelle. I'm going to, in the right sidebar, I'm going to have these surprise eggs. So I don't know if you guys heard of the surprise eggs. They're just these eggs that have these multiple layers and there's toys under each layer. Okay. They're my worst nightmare. Yeah. So, so she found this egg thing. So she clicks on it. She's like, Oh mommy, the egg. And I'm like, okay, well just watch how bad could this be? It's just unraveling an egg with toys in it. Right. She watched it for about five minutes and she kept clicking the next egg, you know, and like, Oh, what's going to be in this egg? Oh, what's going to be in this egg? And then I took it away. I think the total time that we were on that screen couldn't have been more than 10 minutes, okay? I took away that screen and I have never, to this day still, she's almost eight, have never seen her react like this ever. She went absolutely crazy. I've never seen anything like it. I never want to see anything like it. She was like, why? And she's just like, like kicking and she's just not that type of kid. It's not her personality. You know, she doesn't handle things that way. Yeah. And I look, took one look at her and I took that tablet and it has stayed in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> and YouTube will never be in my, in my home. It just won't. It just yeah. won't. We don't need it. We don't need it. There's no reason to be on it. And that was when I was like, okay, there's a big difference between what we just did on the iPad. And like you said, watching you know a movie even mm-hmm. or a, a show and it's just like we, uh, the kids love Bluey. I don't know if you've heard of Bluey, but no. Bluey is he, Bluey is a very wholesome show. It's a very wholesome, educational, very cute show. And it's, you know, slower, targeted obviously more for like younger kids, but you know, something like that. It, there was just such a big dip. My kids have never done what she did after saying, okay, Bluey, we're going to shut Bluey off, see Bluey, you know, a different time. It's never been an issue. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just really, really interesting because she, in hindsight, she was probably getting these hits of dopamine every time there was like a new toy getting unraveled from this egg. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about because I had that same experience with my daughter when she was little and that those kind of videos didn't exist before, right? Like it was new. Mm -hmm. And I heard the same thing from so many parents saying, oh, my kids really love watching these unboxing, you know, unboxing toys. And I think it's just, it's almost a little bit like a, the hit that people get when they gamble. It's yes. like the, it's the, because there's something that happens in your brain when there's like this unclosed loop, your yep. brain needs to like close, finish the story, like close the loop. And so it's just like this gambling thing where it's like, yeah, you're pulling the slot machine. You want to see what are you going to get? And, and, and so your brain gets that hit and that, yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. That's what's happening in your kid's brain when they're watching something like that. Yeah. And I feel like that's just social media in general, because, you know, every time you sign into Instagram, Oh, what am I going to see? You know what I mean? Oh, what's this person talking about today? Oh, what kind of tips are they going to give me today? And I was listening to a podcast recently and I'm blanking on the name of it, but it talked all about this. It talked about how we are living in this like information overload and we can never get enough tips. We can never get enough podcast episodes into our brains. We can never have enough of all of it. And we, we think that we're improving ourselves by, by, Oh, well, you know, this person has made me feel less alone because they're giving me all these tips on motherhood. And, and instead of being a mom and like 
you know, figuring it out, it's like, well, I, I got all these tips from Instagram. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, I definitely thought that way. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. Like it's just this bigger picture when you take it all away and you're like, oh, okay, no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm, yes. I might get some tips from social media. Absolutely. Have they been helpful? Absolutely. Would I have been okay without them? Absolutely. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really think, well, one thing that's making me think of you and your audience might really like, there's a book called Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but I have heard of that. I actually that, have it in my lineup okay. to read. <laughs> well, he's talked about, he talks about something called solitude deprivation. And I'm, when we hear that, we kind of think, oh, that means being alone, but actually it's kind of more like being alone with your thoughts. So not necessarily being alone, like as a person, but letting your thoughts be alone to just think. And so I think again, like we're missing out on that white space in our lives where, like you said, you get on to check Instagram and you got to see what everybody's talking about. And did people like my post and, mm-hmm. and what's the conversation? But again, like we're filling up that, that white space or that time where we used to spend kind of reflecting or thinking we're filling that up with, you know, time on social media or YouTube or whatever it might be for for everyone. Yeah. It's a different thing, but that time on our device. And so really we're, we're missing out on that, that solitude. It's that solitude deprivation. And I just find that really fascinating. And when you think about the time you have just in the shower, when you are just showering, or if you go on a run or something like that, and just letting your mind be quiet, I think that, you know, I know I have to make an extra effort to build that, that into my day. And that's just going to bring us so much peace, not only for ourselves, but for our families too. Yeah. Yeah. And to kind of tie into that is that, you know, I think the research says something like we're just programmed to check our email, like just email in general, like every six minutes. And I would assume social media is roughly the same. You know, um, you, you get this itch to check something like every couple of minutes and your brain never quite finishes its thoughts or it the the task that's on hand. So, you know, for me, I see this. So if I'm writing a blog post, I'm like, oh, okay, let me, you know what, while I'm writing this, I just thought to myself, you know, I never responded to that person's text. I never responded to that, oh, to that message on Instagram. Oh, you know what, let me just do that really quick. And then I'll go back to the blog post for a couple minutes. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Oh, I forgot to email that person. Go to my email. And it's like, you never, there are so many days my husband's like, Oh, did you get a lot done today? And I'm like, I got nothing done today. It's like <laughs> yeah. this constant loop of nothingness. You know, mm-hmm. you, your brain can't actually clear to finish a task because it's constantly wanting to do other tasks. And yeah, I just I, having those moments of solitude. So now I'm trying to incorporate these moments, just five minutes a day where I sit in my mm. thought outside, preferably, but sit outside And it's a really good practice because you can sit there and then you say to myself, okay, what can I hear? Okay. I hear birds. I hear wind. I hear Mm. rain droplets. I hear the grass blowing the breeze. I hear. And so this is how you can try to teach yourself to kind of like be in the moment, right? So you ask yourself what you can hear. You ask yourself what you can smell. You ask yourself what you can touch, you know, and you try to get yourself in, just concentrate in that moment for five minutes. It's really hard. And it's, it never used to be this hard for me. Back when I was a kid, we didn't have any tech. I mean, no, zero. I never had issues with this. I was always with my own thoughts. And so this is something that's become increasingly more difficult for me. And I want to get back to just being in the moments and not having my brain wander. So that's just something I'm working on on right now. And it's, it's wild because like a minute in and I'm like, Oh, I got to do this today. Oh, I got to do it. And you're like, (laughs) wow. I love that. I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to try doing that. And and I'm, I'm with you. I love like being outside, there's something about being outside that just really lets us kind of reconnect with ourselves, I think. Yeah. And um, no, that's such, such good advice. So is there, I know we're just a little bit over here. So is there anything, I know we had a lot more questions, but is there anything that we didn't touch on that you think would be really important to add into the conversation? I just think for parents to, again, like really be reflective on thinking about what your family's screen time habits are, and then start small Just start with something simple that you can change. 
And definitely, if you're married, talk to your spouse or partner first and kind of get on the same page. And then you can get the kids on board and work together as a family to make some changes. I believe this. I've read this and I believe this. That there's going to be a new digital divide between the families that learn to manage media wisely and the families that don't. And I think what the real consequence of that is going to be is really strong families or are not strong families. Like I think that the technology is so powerful. It can be used for so many good things and in so many good ways, but it also can be very destructive and very damaging to our relationships. And in my mind, that's the most important thing. You know, if we don't have those strong relationships within our family, within our marriage, then, you know, that for me, I'm like, what's the point of life? And so you've got to just learn to manage it. And so I think don't beat yourself up. Don't start laying on the guilt on yourself because I know as moms, we're really good at that. Just think about what's one thing that I could do this week to make things better for my family and let my kid, let my kids even be bored. Like just like let them be bored and see what they come up with. I think it's way harder on us as parents than it actually is on them because Mm -hmm. obviously they're going to, you know, if they've, they're used to getting a lot of screen time, obviously they're going to whine, but it's like anytime you're trying to create a new habit, you need to replace that habit with something else. So -hmm. just like get out, you know, like make a craft station, make a, a reading nook, you know, if you don't have any musical instruments in your house, get some music or like get if your family's into sports, get the balls out, like have those things available for your kids, have the friends over and like just fill your life with those things that matter most to you. And then let the screens be just one other thing that you do once in a while, you know, and, and I, that, that would really be my, my last bit of advice, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. And I think some parents might be nervous to do it because it is so it is the harder route, right? Yeah, this this is not by far. It is this is so difficult. And I personally haven't had to deal with obviously like the cell phone thing and introducing the cell phone or social media. But I, I have seen it in some of my friends. And I can't imagine how difficult that is. And to have to talk to your child and really get down with them on a deeper level and say, this is why we have these rules in place. We're protecting you. And I know that it's, you know, upsetting to you and we can talk about it. And that is the much harder thing to do than to hand over the cell phone. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a harder thing on the front end, but I can tell everyone listening that on the back end, your life's going to be so much easier because I get stories from parents all the time. Like my daughter is suicidal because she just is in her room on her phone all the time. Or my son is so trapped into pornography and feels worthless because this is like something that he always wants to be doing and looking at. Or, I mean, I get those stories all the time. So it seems like the harder route, but at the end, you know, and then talking about like little kids, young kids. Again, like if you give your kids the gift of boredom, they actually learn how to entertain themselves. It's amazing. And so like if you never give them that chance on the front end, then in the back end, they're always going to be begging you about like, what can I do, mom? Or mm-hmm. they'll never learn to entertain themselves. So yeah. in the end, it, it actually is going to save you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it might seem hard in the beginning to let them be bored, right? So yes. it's not going to be this magical thing that happens after a couple of days. This is exactly. something that you do every day and you eventually see these incredible benefits, yes. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, this was so great. So Andrea, I have two last questions for you. These are questions that I ask all of my podcast guests. The first one is, and this can be unrelated to our topic today. What's one piece of advice that you would give to mothers? Well, one piece of advice that someone gave me a long time ago was today is not forever. (laughs) And I love that because as moms, there are so many things that we encounter day to day. And we just feel like, I don't want to do this anymore. I just Mm want to throw in the towel. Like, can I just book a flight to Hawaii or something. But I think just recognizing that today is not forever. And, you know, things, you know, you get some sleep and you work things out and, 
tomorrow is a new day. And I think that that's important to remember. Yes. I love that. The second question is if you could make one dinner for your entire family that everybody would eat, that's relatively quick and easy. What would it be? Oh yeah. At our house, it's all about the pasta, (laughs) which is (laughs) kind of sad because my dad was a potato farmer and I grew up on a potato farm. And so that was what we grew up and ate all the time. And very few of my kids really like potatoes. That sounds like my dream. Honestly, I love potatoes. (laughs) You do? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, it was like the, the meat and potatoes diet, but, but yeah, none of, I only, a few of my kids really like potatoes. So they love pasta. So it's definitely spaghetti. We have a homemade spaghetti sauce that we love to make that just simmers on the stove for a couple of hours and garlic bread and a big salad. That's yeah. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk with me. I loved this conversation with you. Thank you, Lindsay. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug unwind and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.